0: Masechet nedarim, daf sadi, alef, the final daf of the Masechet, Mishnah. Barishona hayu omerim shalosh nashim yoseot v'notelot kittuba. Ha-omere temea ani lach, shamaim beni lebencha, u-netula ani min HaYehudim. yehudim At first, they, the halakha was that there are three categories of women who can leave the marriage, receive a divorce, and get paid their ketubah. If a woman says, I am defiled to you, I'm prohibited to you, the Gevanah is going to demonstrate that this must be talking about a a, a a woman married to a kohen who comes and claims that she was raped. Now, that's the halacha. Even if a woman uh, under duress uh, was, uh, was raped, was with another man, she cannot remain married to a kohen. Um, this can't be talking about a um, a, Israel, a, married Israel. Because if, um, a woman married to Israel. because if a woman married to is raped, she can remain married. If, on the other hand, she willingly commits adultery, then she gets divorced but she doesn't receive the Ketubah. So in what case would she um, be entitled to leave the marriage but also receive the Ketubah? It's gotta be that she's married to a Kohen. She did nothing wrong. She was under duress. She was, she was raped. Um, but she can't stay with him. So he has to divorce her but pay her the Kitubah, that's case number one. The second case, she comes and says, there is the space of heaven between me and my husband. A euphemism to mean, uh, in the Kointet it means that we had not have relations for a very long time, right? This distance between us in terms of our intimacy is like, uh, is like, uh, the size of heaven. Um, so therefore, since he's never with me, that is grounds for divorce. He is obligated. He doesn't fulfill his uh, obligation, obligation of ona. He has to divorce me and pay them my kituba, and we would follow that. According to the Bavli, it's a little different. It says that they are having relations, but she claims that the husband is not fertile. Uh, he doesn't. The gemara is going to use shoot straight like an arrow. Right? He's not able to uh, to to uh, uh, make her conceive um, because he's too weak. And therefore, um, it will kind of you know somewhat similar to the Rishali. They are having physical intimacy, but she says, "I want to have children," and he is not able to shoot with uh, strength enough. Um, and so, I want a divorce. That's a good claim and she gets a divorce and she receives a kitubah. The third one is, she, when she says, she makes a vow and says, I'm prohibited from everyone, from all Jews. And I think, we, as we said before, doesn't mean she's going to go marry a non-Jew. She's obviously not. She's prohibiting herself from ever being with any man. Uh, well, why would she say make a vow like that? Um, could, must be because Um, uh, 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 relations is painful to her, not because of her fault, because uh, it's just that uh, that's the way it is. Um, It's painful to her. So she says, sorry, I can't be with you anymore. In fact, I can't be with anybody. It's not her fault that it's painful to her. She just can't be with her husband. So she also um, gets a divorce and deserves to receive her ketubah, because it's not because of any sin that she made. That was the original law. However, the rabbis then changed the law. The rabbis saw that the woman could, or maybe did, uh, abuse this law, and they would have set their eyes on another guy and want to be with him. So they would want to leave their husband, but they would also want to pay their kituba. So they might come and lie and say, uh, if she's married to a kohen, she may come and say to the Kohen, Oh, I was raped. You have to divorce me and give him a ketubah. But maybe really she was not raped and her intention was to get her collector ketubah and go off and marry some other guy that she met. Therefore, she has to actually bring proof that she was violated um, in order to uh, receive the ketubah. Uh, the second case, when she says... We have, according to Rosh we haven't had relations in a long time. There's so much distance between us. Um, again, we don't just say, "Fine, you can get divorced," but Yasu We make uh, we, we make it as a request. Yoshami says this means that we set up for them a romantic dinner and uh, we, get, we help them out and try to bring the couple back together. Right? We'll put the in modern day terminology. We'd uh, suggest a good therapist. We'd talk to them. We'd send them on a nice vacation together and hopefully they can figure out their uh, problem. According to the Bavli, um, is when she says, well, my husband is not fertile, we make bakasha, we pray for the guy, right, and uh, maybe he'll get better. So we try to ameliorate, ameliorate the situation one way or another, uh, but it's not automatic grounds for saying you have to divorce because, again, we suspect that maybe she is, she is lying. Uh, If she says, I'm removed from all Jews, I make a vow against all Jews, maybe because uh, it's painful to her. Um, Once again, we're not sure. We suspect that maybe she's making this claim because she wants to get her kid to buy and run off with another guy. And therefore, we permit the husband to undo that part of the vow that will relate to him. So, this husband and wife, they can continue to have relations, and she, the rest of her vow, well, she took it upon herself, will still apply, and she cannot be with anybody else. All right, so that's the early law and the later law in uh, these three cases. All right, now we're going to ask him questions. According to this later law that a woman comes and tells her husband, who is a kohen, uh, listen, I was violated and now I'm prohibited and I was raped and now I'm, I'm, I'm prohibited to you. And we said, okay, we don't believe her, you have to bring proof. Let's say she doesn't have proof, she doesn't bring proof. Can she continue to eat teruma? In other words, we're going to be Mahmir on her, right? But are we also going to be mekel, use this uh, same law? to be lenient and so allow her to eat tiramah, right? or you're just not believing her because we don't, we don't, maybe she doesn't deserve the ketubah, so let her bring proof, because ha'mosim echevra'olavareaya, or do you really, really not believe her and she can continue eating tiramah? Remember, if she's a bat Yisrael, um, then um, she can only eat tiramah while she is married to her husband. Um afterwards, if she he divorces her, then she cannot get she cannot continue eat to eat tiruma. So what's the answer? Rav Shashata Marit Sheloto si la az albaneha Lava Marina Shadach La Hulin Machlook it. Rav Sheshhat says, She let her eat Tirumah, because we don't want people to speak badly against her sons. If all of a sudden, you know, she, she, she stops eating turumah, people are going to notice. They're going to say, oh, why is she not eating turumah? Oh, I know. It must be that she had, she had uh, relations with uh, someone else. Um, and therefore, uh, who knows when it happened. If it happened before her children were born, then her children will be halalim. Alright, she's not allowed to be, is continue to be in this relationship, and any children she have will be chalalim. So they're going to say she's not eating teruma. See, this prohibited relationship, her children are chalalim. We don't want people to say that, and therefore more important um, that she eat teruma, so that we don't ruin the reputation of the children. However, Nava says no, she doesn't eat. She could eat chulin. What does she only eat teruma all day long? Does she eat, Sometimes she eats chulin. Sometimes, sometimes she eats teruma. So she'll eat Khulin and it won't be noticeable. And so we don't have to worry about this uh this uh what people will will, will say about their children. Alright, oh, that's the machlokit. Amadava well, so Modera V Shesha in nitarmelah shena okay let me hutaama elamishum to si la zabaneha, nitarmela, nitkarisham rehashtad de eat n it nisam. Surava says even of Sheshat, who said she um can eat tiruma because we're worried about the children. Even he would agree that should she um, be widowed from him, um, she, cannot, she can no longer eat. Uh, normally, if she's widowed, but she has children from him, so she can continue eating Teruma um, uh, because she's still connected for, because, uh, through the children. Um, but here, once the husband dies, then that's it. She, can, she has to stop eating because she did, uh, she did claim that she was raped, And so we're gonna kick in that prohibition now. What's the only reason why we said that uh, Rav Shishat said she can? Because we don't want people to talk about her sons. Maybe sons she will continue to have in the future. Um, But once she's widowed or divorced, so then if anyone sees that she's not eating tirumah, they'll say, oh whatever incident happened, Happened at the end of the marriage, and uh, and uh, so that's why she's not continuing it iteruma from now on. Um, but because she's obviously not having any children with him anymore since he died, so then it will not affect. Um, it will not affect the children. Okay. So next, papa. Badik lan raba. Eshet kohen Yesh kituba o This is very interesting because it gives us an insight to the educational methodology. Of the Amoraim. And so the papa says, Rava, Rava is a fourth generation Amora, the papa is a student in the fifth generation. And so he said, Rava would give us a test, right? This was his final at the end of the semester. And he would test us as follows um, um, a, a, a wife, a, a woman married to a Kohen who was raped. Does she deserve her Ketuvah or does she not deserve her Ketuvah? And here's the two sides of the question. And la ketubah. On the one hand, you could argue that she doesn't get her Ketubah. Why? Because the equivalent case of rape for a Kohen, that case is equivalent to a woman who willingly commits adultery to a Yisrael. The similarity is those are the two cases when the woman has to leave the marriage. Um, uh, someone married to a Yisrael, if she commits adultery, she can no longer be with her husband and she doesn't get a ketubah, uh, so too, um, a woman married to Kohen, who even if she's raped, she has to leave the, she has to leave the marriage. So maybe that should be equivalent, and she also shouldn't get her ketubah. That's on the one side. Or maybe the woman could say, Listen, I am fit to be married. If I was married to Israel and I was raped, I would still be able to be married. Why can't we be married? Not through anything, any of my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. The husband, it's his problem because he's a Kohen. So therefore we should apply a similar rule to someone whose field was flooded. If I buy a field, perfectly nice field right i pay full price for it and then all of a sudden it's flooded right so if you don't get flood insurance that's it you're up the creek and so it that's his problem it's the buyer's problem who oh his field was flooded it's too bad it's a natural disaster it's the same thing is here the wife can tell the tell the wife who can tell her husband the kohen says listen i'm perfectly fit i did nothing wrong this terrible thing happened to me that i was raped And now, I have to get divorced, right? That's bad enough. But the financial part, that's your problem. Because you're a kohen, you have to pay me anyway. So that was the test. And they had to debate these two sides and find the proof. We told them, oh, it's a mishnah. In the Mishnah, our very Mishnah, when she says, I am uh, I am uh, defiled to you, she gets the Ketubah. Our Mishnah taught that um, uh, she does receive the Ketubah. Mm, at least uh, that was the original law. And uh, therefore, um, yes, she is deserving of the Ketubah. Okay, good. askinan. Let's explain this Mishnah. We already explained it uh, uh, when we read the Mishnah, but here's where the Gemara is explaining what we already said. If we're talking about a woman married to Israel and she willingly committed adultery, does she deserve a ketuba? No way. If she was married to Israel and she was raped, then does she become prohibited? No, she can remain married to Israel. Wasn't her fault. Um, uh, rather, Koten, if she did it um, on purpose, she committed adultery on purpose, then she certainly does not receive a, a deserve her Ketubah. Is she going to be any worse than um, uh, um, someone married to a Yisrael who commits adultery on purpose, who doesn't get a Ketubah? So for sure, this Eshit kohen, uh, uh, is not, uh, uh, not going to deserve a Ketubah. Rather, there must be someone married to a Kohen who is raped and the Mishnah says she does get a ketubah and that's the final answer to Dava's question I presume that they got it right okay, now a related question if a woman says to her husband you already divorced me alright, I don't know, she gives some date last year, you gave me a divorce paper we're already divorced that's her claim, and therefore she can go and, and uh, she can go free and marry anyone she wants. Um, but the husband denies it. Do we believe her? Amarav is related because very in Mishnah we talk about cases where she says uh, she claims, you know, I was raped and so on, and she can uh, based on that she can get a divorce. But here she says I already was divorced. Do we believe her? Amarav hamnuna tashimah, T'afilu Teketani Lo Mehemna Hatamhud mishakira teyada ba debaala layada ba. Abal gabeg erashtani teyada ba mehemna techazaka en isha meizapaneha bivne baala. So Rav Hamnuna is going to derive the answer from our mishnah. In our mishnah, when a woman says, uh, to, uh, Eshet Cohen says, Um, I was uh, raped and um, defiled to you. Even according to the later law, in which we say she is not believed. Only there is she not believed, because maybe she's lying, and uh, she may be lying because the husband doesn't know, right? If she was raped, the husband wasn't around at this alleged rape, and so we suspect that she might be lying because she wants to run off, collect a kit to buy, run off with another guy, and so maybe she made up this rape in order to leave, and the husband doesn't know one way or another. He can't prove it or disprove it. He doesn't actually even know if it's true or not. But when she claims, you divorced me, the husband has to know. It's not possible she got divorced without him knowing. He would have had to get a get, have it written, and give it to her. Um, so in that case, she is believed. Because we have a chazakah, we have a presumption. A woman would not be so brazen to out, outright lie in front of her husband when her husband knows that it's a complete lie. Usually, when people lie, they'll tell a lie uh, to someone that doesn't know, is not sure if it's true or not. But uh, most people don't lie to someone's face when that person knows for sure it's a lie. And certainly not a wife to her husband. Um, we assume she has some, uh, some respect, some fear, even though they are getting divorced. Um, and she's, she wants to get divorced. But nevertheless, she's not going to lie outright when he knows it's not true. Therefore, Rabham Hamnunah argues that Uh, We believe her. When a woman comes and says, you divorced me, we believe her and we consider her divorced. Rava says the opposite. Even according to the first law of the Mishnah, where if Eshet Kohen says, I was defiled, we believe her. The only reason we believe her there is because a person would not demean herself, right? It's demeaning to come and say, listen, I was raped. I have to tell her that she has to give, give the details. This is difficult for her to say. Um, so that's why we believe her. Um, uh, but uh, uh, that's why we believe her. But in the case, in the, if, this, if it's not true, if she's coming and saying, listen, I got a divorce, that's not a demeaning ordeal that she has to retell um and therefore she's more likely to lie why would make her lie because sometimes um it's hard for her under the under her, the authority of her, of of the man I mean, the husband is too strong and he's uh too uh, uh domineering and she's like I'm sick of this I want out and therefore me is she will be brazen and lie directly to his face because he's such a mean guy and, you know, she just wants out. And so it doesn't bring, uh, it's not demeaning to her. She doesn't have to retell a demeaning ordeal. And therefore, Rava says, no, uh, she should not be believed. We assume that a woman would lie about this. Okay, that's a fundamental machloket between Rava HaMenuna and Rava. And so now we're going to challenge. Mativ Rav Mesharshiyah. HaShamayim te LeB'necha. Temishnari yuvta de DeRava. This challenge is to Rava um, from the case in our Mishnah that says when the woman says the uh, there's uh, the space of heaven between us right you are not fertile and therefore I want a divorce and a ketubah where the original law. Um, is that she is believed. This will challenge Rava, because here, there's nothing demeaning about her, or her her statement. She doesn't have to retell how she was raped. Actually, she's saying, listen, you, you have um, an infertility problem, my husband. Um, and yet, she's believed. So even though she's not saying, even though she doesn't need to t- retell anything negative about herself, um, still she is believed. And therefore, Rava, um, we, you should believe her when she says, you gave me a get, um, and even though she's not r- repeating anything demeaning, we should believe her. If she's believed in the case of the Mishnah, of Hashamayim, we should believe her also. Um, that's, the, that's the challenge. And the answer is, Hatam kevan de sagila, u de la amar en ila ita la amra le. So no, in that case of uh, the heavens between us, she also, it's not enough for her just to claim it, She's going to have to explain, right? He does not shoot like an arrow. And how do I know? Well, she's going to have to go into detail of how she knows and what happens and what she feels. And so if it were not true, she would not say it. She's not going to be go and uh, speak about all these private, intimate things in front of the court unless it were true. So there also there is um, is, a, is demeaning um, experience to have to explain all these details and uh, therefore... We believe her, and that's so. Regarding a get, Well, the get just says? You know, I came. He gave me the get, and I collected it, and I went home. Uh, so, since it's not the meaning, we suspect that she would lie. Okay. de Mishnah Harona de Hamnuna. Now we're going to ask a child to Dav Hamnuna from the same case in the second half of the Mishnah when she says, uh, "You, the space of uh, the heavens between us." You are infertile, and according to the second law in the Mishnah, the second half, we do not believe her. Um, So the question is, oh, how come, Rav Hamnuna? Look, in the case of that, in that case, you don't believe her when she says you're infertile. So how come you do believe her when she says you gave me a get? It should be the same as this case in our Mishnah. After all. Uh, here, she knows and her husband also knows. Um, doesn't, we presume the husband knows whether he's fertile or not, whether he shoots like an arrow or not, and yet she is not believed. Therefore, this was your whole argument, Rav Hamnunah, that a person, a woman, would not brazenly uh, lie to her husband. So if she does say something that her husband knows the truth about, then we believe her. Um, that's why you believed her, uh, regarding a get. But here, the husband knows, and yet we do not believe her. How are you going to answer that, Rav Hamnuna? And the answer is, Kasabara Hamnuna hachana gufa amra, mi hachi The truth is, the husband doesn't know. Here also, um, uh, even if he knows, uh, he knows whether they had relations or not, but, whether he shoots like an arrow or not, that's something that she can feel, but he may, doesn't necessarily know. And that's the reason why in the Mishnah, um, she would lie, because he doesn't know whether it's true or not. But, regarding giving a get, he definitely knows whether it's true or not, so a woman may not be so brazen to uh, outright contradict her husband. Okay. Um, and uh, now we end the Masechet with a series of stories in which uh, some of those halakhot um apply., tashmish <speaking in Hebrew> There was a certain woman, every day that they had, she had relations with her husband, she would uh, wake up and bring water to wash her husband's hands. In other words, I guess uh, she, um, she, felt, uh, uh, she felt close to her husband after that, and she wanted to do something nice for, her, for him um, because uh, she enjoyed that experience. Okay, very nice. So, one morning, she comes and brings water right to his bed so he can wash his hands. Um, and now he says, Now, the husband is surprised. Says, we didn't have any relations. This uh, today, how come you brought me water on a day that we did not have relations? Amr alay, imken had min nochrim, ahaloye dehavu haka haydana, id ant la. Dilma Minahan, she says, I had relations with someone, and maybe it was from one of these Gentiles, these aloe merchants, right, who were just here. They were passing through. If it wasn't you, maybe it was one of them. I know I had relations with someone, and so, um, and so now she is claiming uh, basically that she committed adultery. Um, uh, now, she didn't know who it was, I mean, according to her words here, right, she says, I thought it was you, maybe it was dark in the middle of the night, I don't know, she didn't realize, maybe she had a couple of drinks, um, but whatever the case is, it uh, might have been by mistake, so let's assume that she's married to a Kohen, where even if it's a mistake, they still have to get divorced, so what's the law, do we're going to make them get divorced? of Nachman, and natana velet la, ba Nachman says, we don't believe her. Uh, maybe she put her eye on another guy, she has in mind another guy, and she wants to claim that, oh, she had mistaken relations with some aloe merchant, and that's why she brought the water to her husband, even though she knows she didn't have relations with her husband or with anybody, but she's bringing it in order to present the claim that, oh, I was, I had, I was raped or I had relations with someone else. And therefore, he would divorce her, pay her Ketubah. She could collect her Ketubah and go marry and go run off with that guy. Therefore, we do not believe her. There is no credibility, even though she said so. And so this is an application of the second, second law of the Mishnah, that when a woman says, I am Tameh to you, we do not believe her. All right, second story. Amar <laughs> A certain married couple, um, uh, presumably, usually she was in a happy mood. But one day, she was not, uh, not laughing. She was in a bad mood. Um, uh, she was unpleasant to her husband. And the husband says, What's different today? What happened? Oh, why are you angry at me? What did I do? Never did you hurt me while we were um, having relations like you did today. And the husband says, we didn't have relations today, right? I'm sorry that you are uh, in pain, but it wasn't me. We didn't even have relations. So she says, well, I, I had relations with someone and it was painful. And so maybe it was one of these oil merchants that was just here today. If it wasn't you, it must have been one of them. So, same, it's a similar case. And Rav says the same thing. Uh, we don't have to pay attention to her. She may be uh, trying to collect, get a divorce, collect a ketuva and go with some other guy. That's why she's making up the story. But um, it could be that she just made up the story and we do not have to believe her and therefore they can remain married. Okay, these are very important uh, uh, sources because you know all kinds of unfortunate cases do happen today uh, where there may be something that happened, and you know we don't want to break up a family. And um, you know if we for sure know, know that something happened, then uh, the the family would have to, the couple would have to get divorced, and there's children and all that. So, um, based on these, these are very sensitive cases, obviously. Um, but, uh, this would be one rationale to allow a couple to remain married. Um, even if she comes and says that something happened, um, we can use these to say, oh, we don't believe you. And, um, uh, and if it makes sense, the, husband, the couple can stay married. Okay. <inaudible> <laughs> there was some adulterer who was in someone else's house and was secluded with the the, the this guy the guy's wife. <laughs> the homeowner entered the house while his wife and the adulterer are in the house. <laughs> um, and the adulterer burst out of a of some uh, uh, palm branches, some bushes, and he ran away. Said the wife is permitted to remain with her husband because if they actually sinned and did a transgression, then he would have hidden himself. He would have been too embarrassed. It means that they were secluded. Okay, which is a um, a prohibition of yichud, um, but you don't have to get divorced because of that. And uh, so, um, if he had actually committed adultery, then he would have hidden. But the fact that he ran away uh, means he just wanted to get out of there. And even if though he's going, he might be, he may be identified by running out. It means he didn't do anything that bad. So he doesn't care uh, to be identified. He just wants to get out of the situation. <laughs> doesn't want the guy to beat him up. Okay. Ha'hu uh, no ef, da'al, similar story. Da'al le gabeahi in ta, ata gabram. So again, there was another, some adulterer that went to a house of a married woman and the husband came home. Select no, and he hid. Select no f i bekle baba. So the man, he, um, the adulterer, um, hid behind a door. Ava, um, mat, uh, machtan tachle taman vetaimun khivya. Now, there was some cress, right, some, uh, 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 yeah, an herb um, that was uh, there in the house, and, um, uh, and the snake had tasted of it. Now, the adulterer saw this, but the husband didn't know that, and when a snake eats from something, then he may, he may leave some venom there, so very dangerous. Now, the husband saw this cress, he says, oh, this looks delicious. And he's about to eat it uh, without the woman knowing, his wife knowing. I guess his wife probably also n- saw that there was uh, the, the the snake almost ate it. So, but the wife didn't see the husband about to eat it, so the wife didn't say anything. And now, all of a sudden, the uh, adulterer or alleged adulterer jumps out from behind the door and said, "Wait." Don't eat that. A snake ate it, tasted from it, and this may, it may be poisonous. This is a real drama. It's like a soap opera. You can imagine this, uh, adulterer behind the door, uh, uh debating what to do. On the other hand, if he's quiet, and uh, he'll save his own skin, but the husband will die. And now, you know, this is, he's gonna feel guilty about that. Um, on, this, on the other hand, if he goes and warns the husband, the husband like, well, thank you for saving my life. On the other hand, what are you even doing in my house? What, are you going to be with my wife? right? And then he'll come after him. So this is a real dilemma. And so this Esnoef made the, the right decision and uh, revealed his identity and saved the husband's life. Now, it comes to, the, to, to court. And uh, what's, the, what's the law? Do we presume that they actually committed adultery? And now the husband will be per, per, have to divorce his wife. Surava <clears throat> so says, the wife is permitted to remain with her husband because if they actually transgressed, then the husband would be happy for the husband to eat, the adulterer, rather, would be happy for the husband to eat and die. Because the pasuk says they committed adultery and blood is on their hands, which means that adultery leads to murder, right? That's just the natural progression. Progression. If someone commits adultery with a woman, then her husband is going to be a threat to him. And he would be happy for the husband to die. So if they actually committed adultery, then the guy behind the door is like, oh, this is my lucky day. Now the husband will die. Then I can marry uh, his wife and uh, no problem. And so the fact that he jumped out and revealed his identity and saved the husband's life means that he did not sin and therefore they can remain married. Okay, now we ask about this Pishyitah, Rabbi says, isn't that obvious? It's obvious logic, why do you even have to tell us this story? Um, I mean, in fact, you know, none of these cases are really very obvious. Um, uh, the, you know, it's making a presumption of uh, of psychology and human behavior. I think one of the points of these stories is to show that uh, the, the the when the rabbis, as sages, uh, when, whenever they could, uh, would try to save marriages um, when there was some doubt, and you know, people make mistakes, and um, there's children involved. And all that. and so if, they have, if the rabbis deemed fit and there was some doubt, uh, you see that they would um, try to find a legal reasoning, a legal basis, for a marriage to remain. Um, I think that's the point of these stories, um, and uh, that is also then related to the Mishnah and the difference between the early law and the later law, um, which is uh, the later law may also be uh, partially, at least intended, to uh, save marriages um that you know maybe uh broke down for a bit but um the rabbis saw have potential okay pishita ma odetem avad va hay damar le dekhale de la baal baav te teveint teyla ve maim genuvim im ta'av ve lechem setarim yin'am kama shmalan so our answer is no the What vaavad said is not obvious because i might have thought that they did in fact sin and the fact that a adulterer jumped out from behind the door and saved the husband is because he does not want the husband to die um, because he wants to take his wife upon him, meaning while he's alive. In other words, he wants to take his wife in sin. He actually likes committing adultery. He would not want the husband to die and then be permitted because once something is permitted, it's less sweet than, uh, it's less enjoyable than when it's prohibited. Right, there's a special excitement um, uh, um, that comes from doing something that is prohibited precisely because he is violating a law, as the pasuk says. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret because it's stolen is more pleasant. Right? Sometimes the um, the act of transgressing in and of itself is fun. Right? Like if uh, you know people uh, rob a bank. And get a thousand dollars, um, that the fun of doing that, of being in danger and, and being an outlaw, um, can be more enjoyable than if someone actually just gave them a gift and legally gave them a thousand dollars. And so therefore, we might have thought that the husband, this adulterer wants the husbands to stay alive. Oh, I'm gonna save your life so I can continue, um, committing adultery with your wife. Therefore, Navah teaches that's not so. Uh, really people would not do that. And if they'd committed adultery, then we would assume that the uh, adulterer would have the husband die. The fact that he saved the husband's life um, shows that he, con- did, he did not commit adultery, and therefore, the wife and the husband can remain married and live, hopefully, happily, ever after, uh, assuming that the adulterer never comes back to make, and makes teshuva. Uh, it's a good, uh, point, uh, good uh, note to end the, uh, this Masechet on, Hazan alach ve'elo nedarim u'shili Masehet, Nedarim, Hazakim Obedorim, to all who completed uh, this important and fascinating Masert.